You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 129. On today's show, I chat with a French magician, T2, who is based out of Las Vegas. We discuss building credit, green cards, O-1 and H-1 visas, getting work by being consistent and building a work history. We also discuss a bit of our history working with Masters of Illusion Live, including magician Farrell Dillon. Now those outtakes are over on Patreon. Patreon is where you can support me and the show. And to our 29 patrons, thank you for your monthly or yearly pledges. If you want to join, visit patreon.com slash artistic finance. And thank you in advance. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and today I welcome Magician T2. We're recording this on January 12th, 2023. Welcome to the show, T2. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. You and I know each other because I was the lying designer on a couple tours of the Masters of Illusion live. I was trying to recall how long ago was that, but it was like 2015 or something in that range. It's been it's been a while. It was like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I did it 2012 too in 2013, so just random ones. But anyway, so it's been a while since we've talked, but super excited to see you again, T2. <laughs> on a side note, I uh Congratulations, I heard the news. Thank you. I don't know if I can see that. In- you, you can, you can. I said it last week on the show, so it's out. Okay, so congratulations. Funny that you say that. So last night we took a baby basics class. Oh. We put a diaper on this bear. So if anyone's watching on YouTube, you can see the bear I'm talking about. So we put the diaper on backwards and we broke it. But for all intents and purposes, we are now good and we know how to put a diaper on a baby. I mean, you still have, you still have a few months to practice, so for now you're good. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to waste the diapers, right? I mean, they cost like a total of 30 cents or something, but I don't want to waste that 30 cents. Uh, the baby's going to be fine. I hope you save money because that's going to be a, a big cost for the next few years. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, T2. We did take that into consideration and that factored into the whole decision because, you know, of course, we tried to wait until the biological clock ran out and... So yes, yes, we're worried about the cost too, but it's going to be fine. We are broke, but it's the time is right now. <laughs> I can't <laughs> yeah, exactly. wait for the next two years. I'm going to do it if, now. <laughs> all right. So T2, for those people that don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So uh, as you can hear, probably I'm French. What? What? What a surprise. Uh, so yeah, born and raised in Paris. Uh, I moved to the States actually 12 years ago now. I do magic shows all over the place. I mean, I live in the States, but right now, to be honest, I don't really work that much in the States lately. So I'm traveling, I'm traveling like constantly. But yeah, I do like comedy magic shows most of the time. That's what I tour with on a cruise ship or in theaters. And then I tour with Masters Illusion. Still, once in a while, I don't really do the big stuff anymore. Uh, but I still, like, if I could bring that camera to the warehouse next door, you'll see the whole mess that I still have. I don't really use it as much anymore, but uh, I most of what I do is touring by myself with a comedy magic shop. Fly around, everything fits in suitcase, and I go from places to places, from corporate gigs to theater to cruise ship to 
Got it. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say when, when you were on Masters of Illusion, when I was there, you had like big props, like you were making people disappear, reappear, s- stabbing people. Don't say stabbing. I think the cops are going <laughs> to, going to knock to my door. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. That was an accident. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. All right. And so you would do some of that. I feel like right now, maybe because of COVID and all that, maybe that's why you're not doing the bigger stuff. Like that's probably going to come back a little bit, don't you think? Or is that something that you've just found easier to do the the smaller fits in a suitcase stuff? Well, it's, I mean, you've been, you've been on the tour. So, you know, the whole, uh, the outside of the, the an hour and a half on stage, you saw how it is. Like you travel in the bus, you have to build everything all day. You have to set up the light like you were doing making us look good by the way if we look good it's because of you thank you for that <laughs> thank you thank you t2 <laughs> and then you do the show then you pack again and it takes hours and you sleep in a bus and you go to the next venue i mean it's exhausting and uh, it's fun because we are a big group of people that we like each other most most of the time but then it's exhausting here like when i do a show with just myself it's like i have two suitcases i go to the airport i arrive I set up in an hour. I do the show for an hour and a half. It takes me 20 minutes to pack next venue. So it's not as tiring, to be honest, for pretty much the same amount of money. The only thing that I like with Masters of Illusion that I miss, it's like touring with friends, you know, because I'm like by myself most of the year. But it's okay, though. Like um, I go to the same theater around the country a lot. So I've made like friends pretty much every city I go. So every time I come back, it's like I know some some people same with cruise ship because i jump from the cruise ship to cruise ship with the same company when i go there i always know at least a comedian or two or like dance, some dancers or some artists that do something else so it's like i never feel like i'm by myself i i totally understand that i totally understand that i'm 34 going on 35 how old are you oh you're so old i'm 30 i'm 36 going on 37 uh in april to me basically you're just describing like uh it's exhausting it's tiring i'd rather do the easier stuff <laughs> yeah I, to- I totally i mean there's a reason why i don't do it um you know this is probably tmi if anybody from masters of illusion uh listens but like this is the reality is they've reached out to me a couple times to say hey will you come on the tour and this is before i had a kid on the way and i said yes if you pay me i will go and they're like well it's just not in our budget to pay you and i was just like you know it's, it's just not worth it because we show up at the destination at like eight in the morning I, I literally get off the bus and I walk in and I start working on the lights and I work on it and then I do the show and maybe somewhere in there I can find time to shower, maybe. And then I have to pack up and finish up with the lights. And so it's like midnight, one in the morning and I'm back on the bus. And then when I wake up again, it's like it started to do it again. You're the first one to be on location. I mean, even if we arrive all at the same time because of the tour bus, you're the one that has to wake up the earliest. People that build the props and like you, like uh, light and sound are the one that has to be there first because... Production manager, stage manager. Yeah, it's just it's just um, exhausting. We are, the la- we are the lazy one that's sleeping <laughs> No, everybody, any, anybody on that bus, e- even if you pick the person with like the least to do, say the producer or something, even that person is working. Like it's just an exhausting lifestyle. So you can only do it for so long. All right, so T2, a couple icebreaker questions for you. What is a live event that you like to experience as an audience member? I mean, I go, I go see a lot of shows when I'm here. Every time I, I'm here back in town, I try to go catch up on all the shows that I miss. Oh, I don't know if we said where you are. Maybe you did and I didn't hear it. Oh, I'm, I live in Las Vegas, yeah. So yeah, here in Las Vegas is 
a lot of shows that opened every day and close every day. Uh, sadly, it's it's a hard be becoming harder and harder for show too. So every time I'm in Cannes, I'm trying to catch up on shows, and I go see magic shows. You may know, as a magician, I love to be fooled. Of course, now it's harder and harder to be fooled, given when I see shows like Copperfield and stuff. Ninety percent of stuff I know how it works. If I don't know how it works, or if I don't see it coming, it's my favorite thing. I was like, I love being full. I love watching magic still. For other shows, I, I like to get inspired by other artists. I get inspired by other more than by magicians. Watching other stuff blow my mind. It doesn't have to be magic, but like like set pieces and like I don't know if you see like a lot of Cirque du Soleil show in Las Vegas. It's like it's insane. It's like one day, one second, it's a swimming pool. Two seconds later, it's like something else. And it's like, that blows my mind. For me, that's a real magic. So I love to see that. But also I appreciate like the singer in a lounge in a bar that actually no one really pay attention because it's in the background music. But when you take the time to listen to it, you're like, oh yeah, that's actually very good. So I, I like a lot of different little stuff. I, I'm curious. So I went to see um, Absinthe when I was in Vegas last time. For me, it's the best show ever in Vegas. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think it's because I'm from Europe as well. And it's very close to my sense of humor because like they make fun of everybody. You can be black, uh, gay, Republican, French, Asian. They make fun of everyone. They don't forget anybody. Everybody laughs and it's fun because it's like at the end of his life, like we had all fun together and now you move on with your life. Everything, everybody like get offended very quickly. So the, if you get offended easily, don't go see that show. But the act, so the acts are amazing, they're phenomenal. The only thing that sucks, it's not very comfortable. When you see it, the seats are like terrible. I, I also think that the close seats, close together and uncomfortable, all that. Oh, it's great. It's like we're all stuck on these tiny little chairs. Like there's no VIP seating. And if exactly. there is, it's like still bad. <laughs> Even when you sit down there, it's like you go sit down and you have to talk to people next to you because it's like, you have to like go. It's like it's like a freaking. Uh, it's like I'm not scooting by and rubbing on you because I want to. It's because I literally there's no space. It's it's a great great show. All right, my next icebreaker question, which is, are you good or bad with money? I'm better than I used to be. That's for sure. Being in the states made me better with it because so I've been here for 12 years, but I still don't have a green card. Because when you apply for the green card during the whole process, you can't leave the country, or if you leave, you can't come. So because I travel in and out of the country all the time, I still have the a visa stuff. But I have a visa that, um, so I'm able to do only magic. I can do TV shows linked with magic. I can do everything linked with theater. I can do, but if tomorrow I don't have a magic job, I'm not allowed to go to be a bartender to make money to pay my bills and stuff. So that was the scary part because I was like, especially when COVID happened, First of all, no one could work. But when he came back and the show didn't come back, it's I still couldn't work. It's not be like, all right, well, for a couple of months, I'm going to be a waiter or I don't know, cutting the trees or whatever. Like I couldn't because it's like all that stuff I, I'm not uh, allowed to. So that when I moved to the state, it made me like, at first I was, I moved to the state with a good show and I was like, oh, I make a lot of money. So I was like spending a lot. And then that show stopped. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm on my own. And I was like, well, now I need to save money. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm better with money. Uh, I still spend way too much, but 
I save, I invest, and I, I buy a lot of crap too. <laughs> okay, so going back to that green card thing, how you said you've been here 12 years, but you don't even have a green card. So does that mean you're a French citizen? Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not a permanent resident in the United States. So I can come in and out as much as I want. Every three years, I renew. It's called an O-1 visa. It's like extraordinary ability. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I signed on to that. I've seen it. It's true. So, yeah. So I get that for three years. Every three years, I renew. It's very complicated to get because pretty much you have to prove that you don't take an American citizen job. So it's like, oh, why would we bring you in our country and give you and let you work here? when we have someone that can do the same thing here. It's like, obviously there's millions of great magicians in this country, but you have to prove that you won award and what you do is different and you already, and you have to, the hardest part, which is impossible for everybody, is that you have to prove that you have work lined up for the next three years. Who knows that like no one has booked for like in three years instead, except like Elton John knows he's going to do a, a concert like has like five years. I mean, probably not anymore because he's stopping. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, like we don't know what we're going to do in three years. Like, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to already know what I'm going to do pretty much a whole year, which is like a few years back. I would never think that. Wait, so, so you're saying for this visa, you have to prove that you have worked yeah. for three years? So how do you do that? Obviously, you can't be like, oh, you're going to be booked in uh, February 17, uh, 20, 2026. It's impossible. But... The first, that's why the first time it was hard, but after the years doing being here, it's easier now because, for example, I emailed the Magic Castle and be like, hey, can you write a letter saying like, if I'm staying in this country, you're still going to book me? Or like Masters of Illusion, if you're like, hey, like if I'm still in the country, would you write a letter saying like, oh yeah, if he's here and if we can hire him, we'll definitely do it. So you do like letters and stuff like that. You have letter of a recommendation and and every time, you do editing it, you're renewing it. You have to prove that you did better than the last time. It's like kind of like, oh, did you make more money? Did you work more? Did you, you know, when I renewed the last one, it was literally in the middle of COVID. I was like, do you have a work lineup for three years? I'm like, I don't think anybody in this world know what they're going to do next week right now. So, no. Nah. But yeah, right now it's, it's pretty easy to renew every three years. I got you. So the first one that you did, you had said you came over with a show. Is that how you got the first one? Yes and no. So I came in the States to do a show for Disneyland. I was supposed to come three months to do, because I used to do an act with laser, which was unique at the time. Uh, so they literally messaged me like three months before, be like, hey, can you go three months in California? To do the thing? And at first I was like, not really. I hadn't already booked and I don't really. And they really insisted. And I was like, you know what, why not? So I shift stuff around in, in France and in Europe. And I was like, okay. And I came here for three months. Disney extended the show for 18 months. So I did this. So at that time, I had a P1, I think it's called P1 visa, which is I work for a French for a foreign company in the States. So I, I had a company in France. So my company was invoicing Disney. Disney was paying them. So I was not paying taxes in the country. I was paying taxes in France. So I was literally a, a foreigner working in the States but bringing back the money then. So same, I could just do that show for Disney. I couldn't do anything else. And then when that show was over, I wanted to stay. So that's when I applied for the visa, which I got lucky because I got a little recommendation from Disney, which is a big, big company. 
and when I was there, they, I got hired to do TV shows with that act and stuff like this. So it was easier because I got like big, big, big company. You know, I did the 20th anniversary of DreamWorks as well. So I had DreamWorks, right? I had Disney DreamWorks people to write a little of recommendations. So I got lucky with that. All right. So then you were filing taxes and you had a company in France. Do you still have the company? And now with taxes, are you filing in the United States? To be honest, I think I still have the company legally, but I don't, I don't, yeah, everything I, I invoice, I invoice it here in the States. I have a company. So same with that kind of visa, I can't have a company. I mean, I can have a LLC, but I can't hire anybody else. I can't have any employee. I can, I can, uh, 1099 people. So I can, uh, I can hire contractor and all that stuff. Wait, we're talking, we're talking about the O one on the O one yeah. visa. You can have yeah, an you- LLC, but you can't have any members in it except for you. Yeah. Uh, so I have an LLC, uh, so everything I do around the world, uh, I invoice it here. So I pay every, all the money that I make. It's now it's in the States, but especially for that kind of visa, I have to show them every time I want to renew that I make more money and I pay tax. If I'm a good taxpayer, more money I make, more in the country, more taxes I'm paying, uh, more they're going to be willing to like keep me here. It's like, oh, that guy makes a lot of money. That guy pays us a lot of money to stay here. Let's keep him here. So if I was like the last year or so, I worked like, let's say, like 50, 50 in the States and outside. So I could work on, I could like, just generate 50% of that income here and just pay taxes on this. It's not very appealing for them. And I just don't do it also for the visa. It's just like, well, first of all, uh, taxes in France is like way worse than here. So, <laughs> and also like I live here, I have a house here. I This has been my home for 12 years. I'm not going to try to cheat the system. Be like, I'm going to save like $20 a month because of the it's part of the game. More you make money, more you pay. And if you pay a lot of taxes, I mean, you're doing good. And that's great. So everybody wish they were paying. I mean, you. I know you live in New York, so taxes is insane. I used to live in LA. It used to be insane. That's why I moved to Las Vegas because I was never in LA anymore. So I was like, man, there's no point for me to live in LA. And I can also have a house 10 times bigger here than in in, uh, in LA. So yes, stuff like this. Yeah. But for work, it's like, you know what? I'm very happy. I make good money doing what I love every single day. Uh, if I have to pay for that a little bit, no problem. <laughs> so, so do you even have to file in France? No. Oh, I, yeah, actually I have to, uh, but it's very simple. They send me a thing and I put like zero, zero, zero and <laughs> it's automatic. It's online. It just takes five minutes. Okay. So I was planning to ask you about this because uh, we touched a little bit on the how fit you are and you say you're getting back into it. Um, and then also on line like I see you, uh, you're a photographer, but you've now told us that you can only do magic. So I thought these were all jobs that you had. Are those all things that you do without getting paid? See, yeah. So I, I get it paid. That's why I got a company. I can justify this taking picture or like stuff like this is part of like, yeah, my branding and stuff About like this. About T2. Yeah. I yeah. understand because I will say all the all the photographs you take tend to be of magicians, performers. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's only performers. It's all in and, the same field, yeah. And also like with uh, the companies, uh, the all the photography stuff, like I can say like I bought a camera for a Zoom show, for example. Now it's like everything feels in that category. But yeah, I, I'm not, I would not do anything else than... <laughs> But it's mostly it's mostly a hobby than a job anyway. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. So retirement plan, because you said you invested, et cetera. 
do you have a retirement plan? And then if so, like what are all the pieces of it? So it's well, the good thing about France is like, even if I didn't work that long in France, I still like collected money for that. So I'll probably have not much, but I'll have that. And yeah, I invest every single month. I put it aside in a IRA, all that stuff, Roth IRA, and also invest in stock and, and I save. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm put a little bit of everywhere. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. And how long did you work in France, like before you came here? Well, I started like professionally magic at like 20, something like that. So I moved here at 24. Okay. So there was like four years of you working in France and maybe a couple even when you were over here. So like, let's say seven. Yeah, because I used to do shows at the French Tennis Open in, uh, in Paris. So I was flying back every May, three weeks there to do three weeks of shows there. I, that's the biggest thing I was doing in France every year for like 10, almost 10 years. Yeah. Interrupting the show to mention our book club. So our first meeting is coming up in two weeks. That's going to be on January 29th. This book club is open to anyone and everyone, whether you know how to read or not. To attend, you do not need to have read the book. And you're also not expected to participate, even if you did read the book. Now, certainly you are encouraged to keep your camera on, to share your thoughts and ask questions. However, if you just want to listen and say hi to everybody afterwards or see everyone's faces, I would absolutely love to have you there. The book we're reading is A Cat's Guide to Money. What is special about this first meeting is that we actually have the author, Lillian Karabek, attending. So if you would like to be there for this, in order to receive the meeting link, there's one thing that you have to do, and that is to sign up for the book club email. I don't want to go posting the Zoom link around on the internet, so I'm going to send it out via email. So to sign up for that, go to artisticfinance.com. There is a tab at the top that says book club. Just click it and add your email. Now that link also has the details about date and time, etc. So if you ever forget, just go to artisticfinance.com and click book club. Now, if you are an artistic finance patron, you don't need to sign up because you are automatically going to get the book club emails. And those emails are going to be two a month. One will be the title of the book and the date of the next meeting. And then the second will be a reminder the day before, including the Zoom link. So the details one more time, that's January 29th, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. in London, and we'll be meeting on a computer or mobile device near you. Before we get back to the interview, I'd also like to mention the Artistic Finance Patreon page. That is the place where you can support us if it works into your budget. Now, just before I recorded this intro, I got on the phone with a social media manager, and we have a tentative deal that they're going to handle some of the weekly social media. Other than the microphones and the step and repeat and the artistic finance 6K, this is our biggest purchase yet. And it's actually not that much. We're going to pay them $100 a month out of our Patreon page. So what we're getting there is after fees, etc., we get $155 a month. That's sustainable for us to keep paying them $100 and we'll still have $55 in the bank. If you're listening to this and you'd like to help us out, you can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. That is the associate producer level. Now, patrons of all levels are automatically on the book club list and they get a private podcast feed. 
and that feed is where today's outtakes are. Titu and I discuss a bit of our history working with Masters of Illusion Live, including magician Farrell Dillon, who's now in Vegas as well. If you'd like to join up, sign up at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. And now back to the show. I'm also curious, like with moving countries, have you ever made any financial mistakes or, or big things that you were like, oh, I shouldn't have done that and it cost me money or something like that? I did. I, I don't know. I, mean, yeah, I can talk about it. it doesn't matter. I did one mistake, but it wasn't a financial, but well, it became a financial uh, thing. But so I got a DUI uh, in the States 10 years. Actually, like it was on December 28th. It's been 10 years. But when you're a foreigner, it's the worst thing ever. So it's already hard for everybody. When you're a foreigner, you can't get declined for a visa. If you try to apply again, you can't get denied for a bunch of stuff. Already when you move here and you're a foreigner and you're not a permanent resident like me, everything is more expensive. You're not a permanent resident. Tomorrow if I, I leave the country and I never come back, for the government, if I don't pay my taxes, it's, it would be harder to find me instead of like if I'm a permanent resident. So that's why everything at first is more expensive. And also the 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 thing that was harder for me it was to get credit because you're a foreigner you don't have any credit because it, you don't even have a credit record because it doesn't exist it, like but when you i wanted to buy stuff i was like oh you need a to have credit to buy this if you want if i wanted to buy a car well you, we can't get you a lease or a financial financial plan because you don't have any credit i was like yeah but if no one let me start credit i'm never gonna have credit so that was kind of the the snake spinning around and eating his own tail, like being like, I know I don't have credit, but I need to be able to start it. When I was doing a show at Disney, one of my dancer, her boyfriend, dad, is the financial director at Honda. He's the one who approved credit for when you want to buy a car. So I was like, hey, I, I have this. I was like, I have the money. I just want to be able to start like, stupid to buy a car cash and because i need to build credit too and so he approved me to get an, another one so that's when i started credit because i i knew him and he, he let me give me the best rate ever and so that's why for like the first until until my last car i had a honda for the <laughs> since i moved here because i was losing it so every every three years i was bringing the car back getting a better one and pay a little bit more and that's why I started credit. And now like it's funny because I was going to see every bank to go try to get the credit card. They're like, no, 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 no. And now it's like every time I open the mailbox, it's like twenty thousand like credit card offer. And I'm like joking about it because I was like, ah, oh, it used to be so hard to try to get my first credit card. And now it's like every day like I receive like offer, like the best credit card, you approve you're pre-approved for like a buyer a new house. I'm like, well, <laughs> so when you were on Disney, that was soon after you came. So did you have like a credit card from France that you had or yeah, and you just use that and then you're like, but I need one here in the States. Yeah, I was uh, getting paid in France and stuff like this. But when I came here, I wanted like to have a bank account just to have one here in case something happened to put a little bit of money on it. And it, also every time I was paying with my French card, I was getting uh, fees. Oh, yeah. Those are better now. So maybe today it won't be as much, but yeah, I, a fee, that would be crazy, right? Yeah, now I have a credit card that I travel the world all the time and I don't pay any fees. In. But at that time, like 12 years back, now it was like, yeah, every time you go to ATM, it's like you get charged. Every time you use it, a gas station, you get charged. So everything was like, oh, so I 
open a bank account, just a checking account and a saving account. I couldn't have any credit and stuff. And I can also not go below zero. If you have zero, you have zero, which is great. But then I put more money on it, more money on it. And then uh, I don't know if all the banks do that now. At that time, I had Chase. I still have Chase. Literally, like, I didn't know anything about banking in America. So I was I walked down the street where I was. And the first bank that was there, I walked in. I was like, I want to put a checking account. It ended up being a Chase bank. And I've been there uh, since. And I hope there's all the banks that do that now. Because someone told me, too, you can do prepaid credit card. It was with uh, Bank of America. I think it was $300. So I give them $300. They give me a credit card that gives me a $300 credit. If I don't pay it, well, they already they already got the money. And it was the best thing ever because I was like, every single month I was spending $300 on this credit card. I was paying it off every time, every time on time. After the first year, I think they sent me my deposit back to $300. They extended the the credit lines maybe to a thousand dollars. So that was able to build credit, which is every bank should do that for people who wants to be who are foreigner or even young people that wants to build credit because it's prepaid. So even if I never pay it, they already got the money. So I hope all the banks do that now. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because we talked about this on the show once before, and that was with a makeup designer named Cookie Jordan. And she talked about how she wanted to buy a house in New Mexico her friend was like, but you don't have credit. Or the bank was like, you don't have credit. And so what they did was they said, but here, give us $600. And then there you'll have a prepaid credit card. And then I think within like six or nine months or something, like she had credit and she could get the loan to buy the house. So I'm saying that because I know there's some people, they have never worried about credit score or they have a really bad credit score or something. But that is one of those options that's really easy is to like give them the money like find some money that you don't need, give it to the bank and let you have a prepaid credit line. Um, and then you can build your credit. And even if you don't use it in a few, like I still have that of America bank account that I just opened for that credit card. And I, I never use it ever. I still have the card and every three years, I think when it's expired, they send me a new one. But so that's the thing too. Like even if you don't use it, don't ever close that line of credit because it affects your credit. Even like, if you don't use it, don't close it. If something you don't use ever, sometime like in the future, you can be like, oh, we can extend an extra thousand dollars on that line of credit. Just take it because more more money brings your your debt ratio lower. So if you have a credit card that allows you to get twenty thousand dollars on credit, it's great because even if you never use it, it's great because it's an extra when you want to buy a house, for example. It's um, and also if anybody is interested about credit cards and credit stuff like that. We actually have two or three episodes that I'll link in the show notes about some of the ins and outs of this. And I actually want to talk about that, um, not closing that card because it'll drop your credit. That That is totally true. But I will also say like Nicole and I, we ended up having like five credit cards and we were like, we don't need five credit cards. Like it's, we just don't need the statements. We don't need to worry about it. So there was some that we hadn't used in 10 years. We just weren't closing them because we were like, we don't want to hurt our credit. Well, finally, we went and we closed one and it did drop our credit. But then within like three months, I think it was back. So so I would say don't close the credit card if there's a time where you're going to go buy a car or buy a house or something like that. But if there's a time where you're like, oh, I'm not really planning to need a good credit score for the next six months, close it right then. It also like that Bank of America credit card costs me nothing. If you spend $600 a year for a credit card you never use, it's also a big waste. So it's better to close it, 
have your credit hurt for three months instead of paying, even if it's 200 bucks a year for something you never use, it's uh, after 10 years, it's stupid. That's a good point. The reason we closed it was we were getting a $15 fee every month. Exactly. And we could call the bank and then they would like for the year, they would negate that. But we had to call them once a year. And we we're like, we're tired of calling. I became like a credit card expert too, because I have like different stuff because I'm traveling a lot. So I have the American Express with Delta because so now every time I, I use points. And so pretty much now every time I fly, I fly first class and it doesn't cost me anything. And uh, or I get like rewards in hotels and I have a different one for only hotels if I can. Right, T- <laughs> T2, I have to have you back on because like I'm trying to get a guy named John Adcox who was on the show already talking about credit card points. I'm trying to get him to come back and do one for like travel cards. So I think you, you need to join in in that discussion. Oh, I'm, I'm like, I became an expert on, it's funny because no, so many friends called me be like, hey, like, so I want this and what do you think it is? It's like, well, no, because you have the Delta one, but you have that one from your bank. Actually, if you buy through that website, you'll get a cheaper rate on that flight using less points. And I'm like, it's, <laughs> there's so many uh, loopholes. I follow actually so many people on YouTube and on TikTok talking about credit card because like expert on traveling is like, oh yeah, that that flight cost me $5. And it's like a first class Emirate to Dubai. And normally it's like $20,000. How did you get that? It shows you like, yeah, actually, if you buy through that website, it's actually not a Delta flight, but it's a partner. And so if you booked it through the partner, it's actually cheaper and less point. I mean, this is a, this, it's crazy. I, I, I avoid all this stuff, but there is actually validity to figuring it all out. But I'm always just like, ah. So basically, if I, I ever want to do like a big trip or something, I'm just going to email you and be like, hey, T2, I'm trying to do this. Tell me how the best way. <laughs> um I'm also wondering, like figuring out the credit card, figuring out the visa, is that all stuff that you just figured out over the years? Or was there like another magician or something that like helped mentor you? No, I fi- so I figured everything uh, on my own. When people ask me like, do you regret anything to move to the States and give away everything? I was like, I don't, but it was a roller coaster journey. It was not easy. And so if someone now wants to do what I do, I would be happy to be that. Hey, here's what I did, and here's what you shouldn't do. And if you want this, and it's like, because I figured everything on my own. So now I'm like, oh, if you want a car, you're going to have to build credit. You know what? Go to that bank because you're going to, you know, all that step we just talked about, I can tell, like, hey, I didn't know that for like the first three years I was here, but actually, this, if you do that, it's so. Easy. So we have three listeners in France, and I'm sure none of them are magicians, but just on the off chance that they are, and they're like, I'm going to move to Vegas. Is there like one piece of financial or business or career advice that you would give to them now if they're just thinking about doing sort of what you did? Uh, I would come here with a lot of money saved. <laughs> no, because no one's going to give you financial tools to to start. Go want to buy a car. The first car it might be have to be cash. So you might have to like buy a cheap car, but cash, because that's the only way you're going to be able to get one. Uh, if you want to rent, because you don't have credit or you don't have any record of anything. I don't even know if it's legal, but some places in LA were asking me a year in advance of rent. I was like, well, that guy can just leave any time and we're screwed. For, I think the first time I, I didn't pay a year, but I think I had to pay like three or four months rent. And then after some states, they're like, oh, it's not legal. Whatever. I was like, I don't, I didn't know what it was legal or not. So I was like, I I need a place, so I'm going to do what I can. Yeah, and even if it's not legal, it's like, well, if I want the place, 
even if it's illegal, like I have to pay them for it. And like, I'm not going to call them out. I'm not going to go sue them. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say in New York, there's something called a guarantor. If you come and you don't have enough money because they sometimes will want a whole year of rent. And so they want somebody that makes like a lot of money to guarantor. So I know sometimes people can get people to sign to find like a parent or somebody who is like, okay, well, we'll sign, but like, don't you dare default on this. I have a friend magician who I'm lucky to have him uh, as a friend since day one because he put his name on so many things that I wanted to. Oh, same. You want a lease? Yeah, I put my name on it. You want a uh, you want a car? I put my name on it. So yeah, and it's funny because it's always been the joke because he's always been my the the guarantor uh, for years, and I'm like, if one day I really want to retire, I'm just going to sue you and say you didn't didn't give me the money you were supposed to and all that stuff. <laughs> well, I feel like you would just stop paying on everything and then they would they would get the bill. And so I think that friend that friendship would end immediately. <laughs> but yeah, I uh that's be prepared to pay a lot of I mean I feel I don't think it's only in the US. I mean, I can compare only with this, but I feel like the same with everywhere like you're going to go going to be hard at the beginning. And also like I moved home by myself here. I was like I didn't know anybody and you know, I was like, "Oh, here you go." So it was hard, like emotionally, because there's some good days and bad days, you know, like when you try to do something and it feels like every time you try, it's like someone's like trying to stop you on the other side. You're like, why am I even going to try? It's like no one wants me here or like no one gives me the opportunity to start something that I want. So when you think if you come with someone else, it'd be also easier to have, have some support, more support to like be like, okay, that's not working, but that's okay. We'll figure something out and we do that and, you know. That's true. I mean, Nicole and I came to New York and there's two of us. And so while we don't have anybody here, two of us did make it a lot easier. And, and we're not going from France to the USA, but it's still going a thousand miles away. It's, de- it's definitely beneficial to have somebody else with you. And it, everything is so, such a different like culture from France to here. So it's like there's so much stuff that, like you arrive and you don't understand. It's like, oh. Because some stuff are like super easy in France and here's like a big deal and vice versa. Here it's like, oh, that's nothing. And in France, like, oh my God, that's, I can do that here. And uh, vice versa, I was like, oh, in France, I can do that anywhere I want. I'm, I'm also curious, like, it seems like you don't have a problem finding magic work. H- how do you find magic work? So I, I, it was hard at the beginning because same, I was like a big, especially like in see like Los Angeles, Las Vegas, magician, it's everywhere. When you're not in that business, you don't feel like there's a lot of them or it's even a job. But when you're in that field, uh, you're like, oh, yeah, magician, there's so many everywhere. So I had to like email so many agencies and like bookers and all that stuff. And they're like, and they're like yeah, yeah, you send videos and promo stuff. And they're like, yeah, great, we'll look at it. But they have hundred of them on their desk. It's not like they don't want you to work. It's just like they have so many, so they don't even care. They don't, have, they don't even have time to look at you. No, and it happens being like, a friend of mine can't do a gig, so he's going to call me to do it for him. And then you meet other people, and it was a big relation thing. And at first, it was super hard. It was super hard because you're one of them, and there's so many. So why would I pick you? Because there's so many good ones. So it was uh, – at first, I hated it because 12 years later, imagine how strong is my accent. So imagine when I first moved here. For me, I didn't sound professional when people were like calling me on the phone because I was, for me, I sound terrible. So I was like, I don't sound professional. So I was not very comfortable to do business, to talk about business and price and all that stuff because I was like, feel like I'm a, a two years old that understand one other sentence that people ask me. So it was hard for that. But then now it's like, yeah, now it's like. A, do you do you have a like a rate sheet 
because I know for lighting, people just ask me like, oh, what's your fee or whatever. And just depending on the job, I'll just say, okay, here, here, here. But would it be beneficial to like actually make a rate sheet and to be like, here's my rate just so people know, or how do you do it? It also depends what they exactly, like you said, like what they want. I'm not charging more for people who have way more money than other people are like, oh that guy is a millionaire you should have charged them way more i'm like no it doesn't i'm still going to provide the same service i'm not cheap anyway like because i think my work is is good and it proved it in the past i did hundreds of tv shows and tour the world so it goes with it with the experience and you know and the same thing if you if you become super hard to book you can also also out your price up because it's like everything like everything like luxurious or rare becomes more expensive and also like people sometimes they i go the other way because people they they want a magician for example but they never if they never book one they have no idea that's more like what's your budget for that part and i show you what i can do for that and sometimes like oh wow okay that's gonna be like that oh yeah we didn't think about this i was like yeah i was like okay and you have more i was like uh, well, I can do that too. Like, but it's not the simple. And if they're already convinced by what you show, it's like because it was so far from what they were imagining. They were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, we can find an extra like three or four hundred thousand bucks for for this because that sounds super cool." So, because I also just assume now here in twenty twenty three that magicians only got hired if they like go viral on Instagram or something. Uh, yes, but also like so- social media is great, but. Because literally made discover like during COVID, like all those TikTok and all that stuff, like so many people that even like small business that blew up because of that, which is great. But also it's very short time. You can be famous for three weeks. And if you don't have the consistency behind it, you disappear very quickly. You do a cool magic trick and everybody talk about you uh, for like three months and then something else super cool comes out and then we forget about you. And in three months later, it's something else. So it's very, uh, now it's like I work more with people that I've been working for years now. It's like because they know when I go to that venue, the theater sells. It's always a good, uh, it's always working. So everybody's happy. I'm happy to go there. They're happy because they make money out of it. And I, it's like I have a walk out. I was like, hey, I'm, you hire me for that. I want to try this. It's like, yeah, go for it. Because now it's like I have the the, the freedom to be like, I'm going to do this or like, I'm going to change that by the way. I want to do this instead. And like, yeah, if you think it's better, yeah, go for it. You know? Right. Yeah. You have 12 years of history of working with people that you can, you know, your network is now 12 years deep. And also like at the end, like people are like, oh, he does whatever he wants, but it's not whatever I want. It's like, I, it's what I think is going to look the best because at the end of the day, even if you're the producer of the show and you take the risk of money on the cost, at the end of the day, if the show is terrible. If they didn't like the show, it's me that looks bad. It's not the producer. It's not the people that put the money behind it because most of the time no one knows who they are. So if I suggest this, it's because I know and I want the show to be better. So I look better, so everything looks better. Like if it's amazing, I look amazing. But if it sucks, it's terrible for me. So I want obviously to put the best thing for people to to see because it's like I don't want to show you something terrible. So why would I? If I say something, I think it's really better if we do that way and like I have the expense like yeah we tried that before with other places I don't think that's a good idea but after that that's your goal if you want to do that we'll do whatever you want if you were to show up in Las Vegas like today with never having worked there what do you think you would do like to find work Vegas is hard because the lot of uh, corporate gigs there's a lot of corporate gigs so if you do like 
a lot of those, you can make a lot of money because there's like literally like this convention every single day, every single because you know there's something going on every day. How do you find a job at a convention? Like, is it posted online somewhere? Yeah, yes and no. It's funny because so many companies, when they come to do their convention in Vegas, they bring everything. They bring the magician that they like from somewhere else. And people that do con- convention in Las Vegas, it's usually big companies. It's like millions and millions of dollar budget to bring the magician that they already like from somewhere else instead of hiring one. It's not gonna it's not gonna send them much money to hire. So they rather book someone. So most of people like with big convention, they bring some their own. But there's also like now I work with Caesars Entertainment, which is uh, <laughs> if you if you're in a business, you know it's a, like they own seventy uh, percent of the casinos here. So I work with them. So every time there's a big event and they need a magician, I'm usually one of them. So I work a lot with them. So and they are great. So that's cool. But for theater, if the problem is Vegas, it became it, and it's sad. But thirty years ago, when you had a show in Vegas, it mean you were amazing. The hotel booked you to be in the casino to represent the casino it's like elvis is the best we're going to put Elvis in our casino everybody's going to come and it's going to be the best show now it's like they all rent rooms so if you can pay the rent they don't care if it's a magician if it's a singer if that guy lose money every night but he keep paying us rent we don't care it doesn't matter because it used to be like that casino is great because they have this guy now it's like Oh, we went to see that show. It's terrible, but it doesn't affect the casino. So as long as the casino makes money out of it, they don't care. So, so wait, are you saying we could rent a room in a casino and call it the T2 Theater and be like, T2 is performing three nights a week? Yeah. Interesting. And that's why people was like, oh, why don't you have your show here? I was like, because it costs so much money. And even if you have a good show, it takes a long time to have reviews and people talk about it. Because when people come here, they come in average of like three three days three nights they're gonna do a nice restaurant or like a, a show somewhere and maybe a nightclub whatever for them to pick your show when you have like a thousand shows every single night happening like even if your show is good for them to pick it a lot of people that comes to vegas they don't come for the show they'll be oh yeah we'll probably watch a show most likely they're gonna go watch the show in the hotel they stay at they get a discount or they get a comp because they gamble a lot, so they get comps. Or they're like, oh, yeah. But like for people, be like, no, I want to go see that show on the other side of the strip. It's going to cost me like already 50 bucks to go there by a cab, 50 bucks to come back and spend $200 on those tickets. So for them to pick you, I mean, tomorrow, like you don't know anything about magic, but you you like magic. You, you arrive to Vegas, you're going to be like, wow, who do I know? There's David Carverville, Chris, and you're going to go watch one of those because they don't even know you have a good show somewhere. So for them to know you have a good show, it takes takes forever, takes forever. Everybody said that you need to at least have a year in a bank to lose before you might start to like break even and see. Pro- so I'm like, why would I do that? <laughs> okay, well, I'm just saying if I were in Vegas and I was staying on the north end of the Strip and I saw that T2 were performing at the very far south end, I would go see the show. First of all, you should never stay on the north end of the strip. <laughs> I, it's getting better. There's Resorts World there now. They really the whole stratosphere, the the Resorts World there. It's get the this area is getting way better than ten years ago. All right, bad example. If I were on the southern end of the strip and T two were at the northern end, <laughs> there's more. First of all, there's more chance that I perform in the ghetto than, than on the <laughs> on the high end of the strip. There's more chance 
that I am there. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, okay, so two more questions. This is just a question just for fun that you don't have to have an answer to, but is there a question that you have for me? If you had to, oh yeah, I would ask that. If you have to redo everything over again, would you do it the same way or would you change things? Oh, that's a great question. I would 100% not do it the same way. And I'm very happy with that, how things are, but also like just specifically in lighting, there's so many things you can do. So just last week's episode, we had a theme park lighting designer on. It sounds like a much more stable in a way job, and it sounds like a much higher paying job. And I think that would be a super cool way to go. And I know there's a lot of like Disney engineers, Imagineers, and they do that. And it's like a very stable nine to five type job. So I think that would be super cool. Um, I also, I never did cruise ships, and that's something I, I sort of would want to do a little bit of that. I've always tried not to travel, so I've done most of my work um, in New York City, and that was a choice on my part. But I think there's so many things. I think also I would have gotten into teaching a little bit sooner, but just like maybe a class here, a class there, so that I at least knew whether I liked it or not. Because I've had so many pr professors of like lighting and stuff on the show, and while they're all like, oh, you know, professors don't get paid a lot, but they all seem to have really good lives and really love what they do. So, I mean, that's a whole like world. Oh, well, yeah. I think, I think you can't, you can't teach if you don't enjoy what you do. And I love magic so much, but I don't think I would be good enough, like, good to teach it. But I think you can't be a teacher if you hate what you're doing. I think when you want to teach, it's like, because you want to pass on that passion you have to someone else. You can't be a teacher if you don't enjoy what you're doing. That's impossible. I totally agree. And actually for 10 years, I was like, I, I had no desire to teach at all. I was like, no, no, I don't want to do it. And then I recently had an experience where I saw some professors of lighting and I was like, I could do way better than them. Like, I think they're doing a disservice to their students. Like, because I've always been like, you know, what do I have to teach? Like, I just work like, what am I, who am I to teach somebody? But then I saw some students who weren't getting a good education. And I'm like, oh, I could totally get them work like right away. Like I could be like, here, do this, 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 and then here, go work. And they would be superstars. The problem with teaching, no matter what field it is, it's like when you learn something 30 years ago and you've been teaching it the same way and things, especially in a, in a field like you are with technology that evolved so much. Right now, you would not teach what you learned 20 years ago because you don't, this doesn't exist anymore. My dad is a, I mean, was, was a movie editor. But he's like, oh, yeah, when we're, we were like literally like cutting and gluing uh, the film together to do this and look with a little magnifying glass to see where we're going to make the cut and gluing. And that's how we were doing cut. If you go to a cinema school right now and you teach them, they're like, what? It's <laughs> like, why would we learn that? We don't care. We're not going to use it. But I also think that in, in today's day and age with like YouTube and then like all the lighting companies publish tutorials and videos and stuff like this. In a way, it's great because there is so much technology that nobody can learn at all. And so you have to figure out what your students want. And then you have to be like, okay, well, if that's what you want, then you need to go to this company or you need to go learn this equipment because there's so many options. And I remember when I was in school, I thought some of my professors were a little outdated and like stuff like that. Looking back, I'm like, oh, you know, it's not their fault because they have to teach so much. There's no way they can know it all. Like, it's just humanly impossible. So really something that, you know, could have been better was if they had realized what, what I wanted to do or if they had guided me to a little more specific of a place, like that would have been more helpful. So I think that's going to be sort of my philosophy is like, what, what do you want? What are you good at? And, and let's start there and then you'll learn other things from there. Anyway, so. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. Final question here. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you? And who do you want to connect with you? Well, the best way is Instagram. When I perform somewhere, I usually post it where I'm going to be and where you can buy tickets and uh, where I am, what I'm doing. I'm always like happy to like answer people if they have question and like, even if it's not about magic, but it's something like they saw me doing or like something inspiring. Be like, oh, yeah, like how did you like see? For example, I was like, oh, I want to move to America, and and like I'm not a magician, or whatever. But like, what would you suggest? I'm more than happy to like help people that I can help people with something to skip time and and make it better faster. It's yeah, I'm always happy. So okay, so Instagram at t two magician t two spelled t i t o u. T2 Magician, and then your website is t2magic.com. And there's a T2 Photography as well on Instagram and online as well, uh, website as well if you uh, want to see what I do with photography. Yeah, and I will say, actually, you're quite a good photographer because, like, I guess I, I must follow it, so I see the... You better follow it. What do you mean I must follow it? You better follow it. <laughs> well, I'm going to check I, right now. I'm going to check I, right now to see if you follow it. No, no, don't you dare check. So T2, I am not good. Like you got Instagram, Facebook, there's too many. Like I just can't keep up with it all. But I just know that I see it. But like in Facebook for me is like the bane of my existence now. Like it's so clunky. I find it so hard to navigate that like I'll find something and then I can never find it again. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Technology changed so fast. Now it's like you were supposed to be connecting with people and friends and stuff like this. Now it's all about showing you content that you might be interested on or might be buying. It's like, oh, yeah, once you look for a, a shaver for something or like a, a hair pod, and now it's like, oh, you see is like hair pod. Oh, now if, even just you talk about it and you open your phone two seconds later, you have ads for it. Like I'm sure I'm going to get magic ads here in a second. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Or like book a trip to Vegas or something like that. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, because Artistic Finance has a Facebook page, but I honestly, it just like goes from Instagram to there because I find it so hard to actually update the Facebook page. Yeah, I'm the same. Like when uh, when you see stuff, it's probably me posting on Instagram, it ends up on Facebook and it's been shared by whatever. Uh, yeah. But anyway... Um, so that's where we can find you. T2, thank you so much. I only meant to take an hour and I accidentally took an hour and a half. <laughs> I had like a great time and it was great seeing you again. Yeah, it's nice to see you. It's been forever. And congratulations once again on the on the baby coming. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Me and my diapered up teddy bear here. We're ready. We're ready for it. <laughs> you have some practice to do. <laughs> that's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are building credit by prepaying for a credit line. If you don't have credit, that's an easy way to do it. I'm impressed that T2 has worked in the USA for 12 years only doing magic. I mean, it makes sense. He's a magician. But to go to a different country and do that is very impressive. And finally, consistency. Now, we skipped by it pretty quickly, but T2 mentioned being consistent with your work as a magician. Now, that's something that any coach for anything is going to say, be consistent, and it's true. So almost all of my work as a lighting designer has come because I've been consistent in the past. I've shown up, I've done the work, and then people hire me again and offer me new opportunities. Now, also with Artistic Finance, I've put out episodes consistently, and now people who find the show are sticking around because they can see the past work and they know it's going to keep going. So what did you think of today's interview? If you liked it, be sure to hit follow on your podcast app because we are working on another episode covering liability insurance for magicians and performers. 
I don't have a date yet on that episode, so following the show will let our new episodes pop up when they release, and you'll see when we cover liability insurance. If you have any feedback from today's interview, type up a message and send it to me. Now, over on our sister podcast, Light Talk, they ask listeners to send in written comments on the back of a $20 bill. While I like that idea, it's a little bit old school. So any feedback for this show, please run it through ChatGPT, then embed it into the blockchain of Bitcoin or a SAT, uh, and send that to my digital wallet. Now, if you're having trouble finding my wallet, just snap at me, WhatsApp me, DM me on Grandma, WeChat me through the Great Firewall of China, Twiddle me, LinkedIn me, text me, Telegram or Candygram for Mongo, or send a short video on TikTok. However you want to provide feedback, I'm here for it. The important thing was embedding it in Bitcoin. Or if you want to be old school like Light Talk, you can send feedback to artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of Light Talk, they sent me a Light Talk fez. So if you're seeing the video version, <laughs> if you're seeing the video version of this, you can see my Light Talk fez. Looks quite nice. So thank you, Light Talk. And also, I'm still trailing them by two Apple Podcast reviews. If you have just a minute, I would appreciate a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me out, and it helps other people find the show. All right, so I'll let you go now with just quick reminders that the book club is January 29th. You don't have to read the book to attend, but if you do, it's A Cat's Guide to Money. If you're not a patron, you have to sign up for the email list to get the link to the Zoom. Our monthly email newsletter is coming up in a couple weeks. That goes out to patrons and anybody who adds their email to the list. And finally, if you'd like to help cover the production costs for artistic finance, including our new social media manager, please become a monthly or yearly patron. So links to all of those things are at artisticfinance.com. It'll be on the top bar on the website, or you can find all that information in the show notes. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.